Welcome back to That's Ancient History. In today's episode, I am joined by Stan Christoforou, who alongside me is currently attending Roehampton University to conduct his PhD research in the field of classics. And he is going to talk a little bit more in detail about his research, which is all about combat trauma in ancient Greece. When I first learned about Stan's topic, I was absolutely fascinated. It examines the way in which we can use modern psychology to reflect on antiquity and also tackles an element of ancient life and ancient literature that perhaps hasn't had the attention it deserves thus far. So rather than keep all the questioning to myself, I thought I would interview Stan for all of you today so we could learn a little bit together. Thanks for joining me! No problem. I <laughs> <laughs> just sit there silently, it's absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, I, I haven't actually asked in advance, do you want me to refer to you as uh, Stan Christoforo or Constantine Christoforo? <laughs> What's your professional um, name? <laughs> well, my professional name is Constantine, but I suppose... Everyone knows me as Stan. Okay. Yeah, so this is Stan. a casual environment. Yeah, go with yeah, Stan. Go with Stan, okay. Yeah. Um, Stan is a fellow PhD with me at Roehampton University who's looking at combat trauma in ancient Greece. Is that the working title? Or? Um, yeah, combat trauma in 5th century. 5th century, Greece. specific. Yeah. Well, century it, before me. We'll narrow it down. Okay. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> a lot happened in that century. Yeah, that's true. Fair. Um, I know, this is one of those things when we talk about ancient Greece a lot, you refer to a century as if it's no time at all, when yeah. a lot does change in a century. Yeah, a lot, yeah. So I think for the benefit of everybody listening and my own, it'd be great if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about what combat trauma is, kind of how do you define combat trauma, um, yeah. So, I mean, it comes under the, the branch of, of PTSD, but I'm looking specifically at combat. So PTSD can refer to any kind of traumatic experience, mm -hmm. like um, a car accident or a sexual assault or anything like that. But I'm looking specifically at trauma related to combat. So the things that kind of come out of that are <coughs> distressing memories, bad dreams, flashbacks, um, distress when you get reminded of the event, the kind of hypervigilance, recklessness, all of these kind of... Mm -hmm. things that happen after mm -hmm. after well for my project after combat mm -hmm. yeah so and so this is based on modern definitions of combat trauma yeah so those kind of things that i just listed are, are out of the the dsm so the diagnostic statistical manual of <laughs> mental disorders <laughs> five <laughs> um, which is yeah the latest one so yeah. that's what it is now okay. it kind of became big after Probably after the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. people started to talk about, about combat trauma mm -hmm. and PTSD. And then since then, yeah, it's mm -hmm. got bigger and bigger. Well, so when I've heard you talk about this before, mm -hmm. you seem to have been very cautious to distinguish PTSD from combat trauma. Why? <laughs> <clears throat> because PTSD is, is something that we have created, or, mm -hmm. or a title we have given, mm -hmm. and it, a group of symptoms that we have put together yeah. to define a certain thing whereas combat trauma just means kind of a trauma relating to combat so maybe by the time I'm finished I'll have my own kind of word mm. for like Greek combat trauma that will be different to PTSD but in my opinion we can't look for PTSD in ancient Greece okay because it's a different thing yeah, no, and of course you have to be considering the time period you're studying. And yeah. And make assumptions. 
yeah, based exactly. on modern things. Um, yeah. So where would you look for evidence of combat trauma in ancient Greece? For a start, any of the Greek heroes, okay. because Greek heroism revolves around war, really. Mm -hmm. So all of the main heroes will have some sort of famous battle that they're a part of, and then most of them have either a glorious death or some sort of troubled homecoming. So they come home and then there's another kind of violent action, or they come home and things go wrong. If you take Ajax, for example, they come home and commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what I'm looking at is the soldiers that have have this history of war and then come back and have other kind of complications. I suppose <clears throat> the first thing I've looked at is, is Greek tragedies. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously they're sad. <laughs> so <laughs> they're telling these stories of, of soldiers and things that have gone wrong. Yes. As opposed to telling... The glory of the battle it's more about like the aftermath and mm -hmm. it's more emotional and yeah. like psychological and about the effects on people yeah they're really <clears throat> i never thought about that before but they're really set mid war yeah. like something like the iliad they, yeah. they're afterwards yeah, yeah. definitely I never yeah. thought about that actually but yeah that's a really good point um so you're particularly interested in ajax aren't you what? that's what i'm looking at at the moment yeah. Yeah. okay who else is there anybody else you're going to look at heracles in tragedy. Okay. Um, Orestes as well. Okay. Not necessarily because he's suffering from combat trauma, but because because he he's involved in murders, like family murders, mm -hmm. and then he has great like moments of self reflection where he has like psychological, well, what we would call like psychological trauma. Yeah. And he questions like why he feels guilty for killing someone. Yeah. Which is. A quite a new idea because the idea that men would go to war and kill people that was kind of their job and that was kind of what they were supposed yeah. to do so there wasn't this this thought in the back of their mind maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't be killing people or maybe killing people will have a bad effect yeah. long-term effect on me and he kind of contemplates that in his well, specifically in Euripides okay is, so is this sort of introspection um, amongst the Greek heroes something that you start seeing in 5th century literature that you didn't see before. Yes. So, it's probably due to the medical profession in 5th okay. century Athens. So, we're just kind of starting to get Hippocrates and Hippocratic corpus flying around. So, you're seeing references here and there in tragedies of medical diseases and things wrong with the brain and why these things might be happening. Um, particularly in Euripides and all of his mad characters you see um, like for example the sacred disease you see like mm -hmm. eyes rolling back frothing at the mouth kind of madness and this is all medical stuff mm -hmm. so people are interested in this so when they're coming to sit down and watch these theatrical productions they're recognizing these these symptoms from this new medical thing that's that's flying around yeah okay. so it's of interest in, in fifth yeah. century yeah. so you think that perhaps the, some of this evidence in tragedy is reflective of what people are thinking in 5th century and perhaps what 5th century soldiers are experiencing? Absolutely, yeah. So they're starting to ask questions of where... Because tragic madness is is everywhere yeah. and it's in so many different tragedies. But people are starting to ask questions. Where did this madness come from? Mm -hmm. Why is this person mad? Um, what are the effects of this person after after madness? 
and you get a real kind of blending of like religious ideas, medical ideas, the old kind of literary ideas, mm -hmm. all kind of blending together in the fifth century. Everyone's kind of questioning everything. So yeah. It's a big kind of golden, yeah, questioning <laughs> age. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what first drew you to the topic of combat trauma in ancient Greece? So, in my second year, I did just an, uh, an essay, an assignment for mm -hmm. a Homer class mm -hmm. on Homeric decision-making and why heroes make the decisions they make. And I got told to read a book about Achilles, mm -hmm. which was called Achilles in Vietnam, which we'll talk about a bit later. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but it was the first kind of thing I've read where modern psychologists have taken a look at an ancient soldier yeah. and kind of said, oh, all of these things that might seem weird, they're quite normal to mm -hmm. someone, a modern soldier who's suffering from PTSD. So he basically goes through the DSM checklist and matches it against things Achilles has done. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got this idea of um, using modern psychology to look at ancient texts in a way that maybe the ancients wouldn't have under understood what, what was going on. Yeah. So putting looking at it with fresh fresh ideas rather than just saying the same old thing about Achilles and why and his glory and why he does this and why he does that. Yeah. Maybe there's a deeper kind of psychological thing yeah. going on there. That they so, just haven't defined yeah. but exists. Yeah. 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 So you really it is very much a sort of interdisciplinary study then if you're looking yeah. at something like you're having to use psych methodologies that psychologists have to apply to their work to an ancient audience that aren't alive anymore. Yeah, well that's a good point. So even in the modern DSM and modern psychological methodologies and stuff like that, um, there's a very heavy emphasis on culture. Mm -hmm. So when you're diagnosing someone and when you're looking at certain symptoms, you have to take someone's culture, um, you, you have to understand the culture before you diagnose someone. So they do something called a CFI interview, which is a cultural formulation interview. And um, they basically try to understand the person's culture, so where they think their disease comes from, what kind of religious beliefs they have, what kind of, what is acceptable in their society, what kind of things. So. I mean, it's a stress disorder. Mm -hmm. yeah? So if you're looking at a stress disorder, you have to first understand what what would stress someone in yeah. a certain society. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just a universal phenomenon that you can just apply to different. So like people look at tribes in Africa, for mm -hmm. example, uh, World War Two soldiers mm -hmm. and Achilles. Yeah. Right. These are three very different places and very different societies. Yeah. So it's unlikely that they're going to write about or explain the same experiences and have the same symptoms in the same way. Yeah. So that's where I've managed to, to wish my way in. Yeah. So I'm saying that you can't just take a checklist and go, I've seen that here. And then I've also seen that in this text here. Mm -hmm. You have to create a whole kind of. From the beginning up. Yeah, yeah, you have to create like a narrative yeah. of, of what, why these things are happening, where have they come from, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah, what influenced them. Is there anything in particular you'd say that was defining of 5th century warfare that's important to you and your study? Maybe family. So the way soldiers react with their own family. So, for example, Heracles coming home 
and murdering his family mm -hmm. um, strikes chords with a lot of modern kind of soldiers. This this idea of coming home and then having like a murderous rage yeah. and killing even people that are close to you yeah. and not being able to, to tell the difference between yeah. loved ones and enemies. So that's particularly something I'm looking at, yeah, people that, that make it home yeah. and then seem to be okay but then have this yeah. murderous rage that, that comes out later on, yeah. This is, so, well, from my experience of having done a classic Ziggy, this seems like quite a new area of study because it wasn't something that I was ever taught about. So, kind of, what's the, the background in this, this field that, that you're kind of working upon and building upon? Yeah, so there are, there are two main strands in the field at the moment. So there's the, the universalists, mm -hmm. like Shay, who think that experience is universal. So if we're experiencing something today, the ancient Greeks would have experienced it in the same way mm -hmm. because our brains are the same and every, everything's to do with chemical balances and mm -hmm. everything's just the same. Time, place, culture is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So you can, if that is the case, then you can just go to the latest DSM and if you find that there and you find that in a Greek tragedy, then it's the same thing. Yeah. They felt the same thing. Um, on the other side, there are the relativists who think that PTSD is a culturally specific disease mm -hmm. so in saying that if that is the case there could be cultures that did not suffer from PTSD mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that the ancient Greeks didn't suffer from PTSD I just think they may have articulated it in a different way yeah to, to today so they might not have explained the same symptoms in their text or, yeah. or used the same kind of language but they could be having similar experiences. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of, a kind of 5th century idea of combat trauma, yeah. as opposed to just it being PTSD mm -hmm. or it not being there at all. Yeah. I think we can kind of blend the two together. Yeah. Is there any evidence of sort of attempting to treat people post-war in Athens or Greece? See, the problem with that is there doesn't seem to be a recognition that war causes psychological trauma mm -hmm. so even in all the medical things everything is everything is physical mm -hmm. so every time there's a problem there's a physical there's something yeah. physical going on there's something inside your body is wrong yeah yeah and go and eat this or drink this yeah. it's not too or, different or say, from sort of women's hysteria is it yeah. it's your whim's fault exactly <laughs> yeah exactly wandering rooms and yeah. stuff like that um so they didn't they never really sat down and thought maybe this is entirely to do with or this is entirely psychological because they didn't have psychology. Yeah. So they, you see in tragedy as well, you see the mad characters and, and the way they're portrayed. They're frantically trying to deal with their madness and not knowing what to do. So everything they try, they try to starve themselves or they try to not speak all of these different things, but nothing works. Mm -hmm. and it, it's, it's a perfect demonstration of them not knowing where these things come from and how to deal with them. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. It's all so interesting. It's just something I have never come in contact with until you started telling me about it. And anytime I ever mention it to anybody now, they're like, that's such a fascinating topic. I want to know more. <laughs> it's a good thing I forced you to come on the podcast. <laughs> Why do you think this is important? This is very important, okay, for two reasons. There's a massive divide in this scholarship with the universities and relativists mm -hmm. and a lot of that has got to do with modern stigma mm -hmm. surrounding mental health mm -hmm. and in particular PTSD 
So there's this idea that if you go to war and you're psychologically damaged, you're in some way weaker than mm. the man that goes to war and has exactly the same experiences as you, but comes back and is fine. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes people go to war and they come back and they're okay. So why does this one person have this, this trauma, this other person not? So this is where this whole classical thing arises from. So Shay is a psychologist and he's, he's attempting to heal modern veterans mm -hmm. by demonstrating that even these ancient Greek heroes all of 2,000 odd years ago, we can even see it here in this literature. It's always happened. It happens to everyone as a kind of way of dealing with this with the stigma and demonstrating that even the great people that were celebrated for war mm -hmm. still had a psychological trauma as opposed to it's strong versus versus weak. Whereas if you if you emphasise a cultural difference and say it's culturally specific, then you lay kind of a blame on on individuals mm. and and you can say stuff about their upbringing in the society. So once you start saying things like that and you start saying that it's not a universal thing, then people start weaving in blame. Yeah. So maybe you should have been stronger, maybe you should have been raised in a different way. Yeah. Maybe stuff like that. So in some way people are using the classics to help Mm -hmm. um, people with psychological issues and they kind of they kind of help each other mm -hmm. so it's using psychology to learn more about ancient Greek texts mm -hmm. but also using ancient Greek texts to help modern people mm -hmm. as well um, so it works both ways so that's that's where it's important to yeah to a modern audience yeah, yeah. because these these are very real issues and we have people suffering with it's not just things written in text we have yeah. people that are seriously damaged by it yeah, and hearing you talk about this sort of just m makes me more aware of how this could almost be used in a broader sense to explore different types of trauma in ancient Greece and different types of um, mental health in antiquity or throughout time. Yeah. Um, which would be really, really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah. I think um, classics and psychology reflect each other. So whatever's happening in psychology, someone will try and apply that to something else. Mm -hmm. So we saw with, with the whole Freud and Jung and all of the psychoanalysis and all of those Greek stories that have, everything is about sex yeah. and all of the phallic symbols and everything. So whatever the, 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 the top psychological theories of the time are, mm -hmm. seem to always be applied back into ancient Greece mm -hmm. as to say, oh, when this happened, we know what that is now. But the problem is psychology is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So our, our ideas of what we think is happening and what we think mental health is are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So the way we look at ancient Greece constantly changes. Yeah. And there's always going to be a dialogue between the modern and, and the ancient. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, maybe for a little bit of context for people who are listening that aren't as familiar with the myths, if you're... so. If we take something like Ajax or Heracles or Orestes, could you mm -hmm. maybe explain a little bit about the narratives that these are that these are within that you're looking at the combat trauma within? Kind of maybe what happened at the beginning and then what happened at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, if you take Ajax for example, the the play is by Sophocles, but Ajax is a is a Trojan hero, mm -hmm. which is is quite common in tragedy. You see these these heroes sprinkled all around. Um, and he's returned from, from war 
and he has been denied um, the gifts of Achilles on his death and they've been given to Odysseus instead and after this he kind of has this rage and plans to murder all of the, the leaders of the Greek army and people have taken that as a first signal of combat trauma. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the, the kind of triggers are, are people that went to war and were told to do things by generals mm -hmm. that they thought may be morally wrong but are following those orders and then it leaves them in a kind of conflict. So mm -hmm. that's when they get home they have these distressing thoughts and memories and a kind of lash out against authority because yeah. they, they don't agree with what's going on. And you can you can see that there, hmm. but it's definitely not recognised by the ancient Greeks. Yes. <laughs> and then we have the whole tragic thing. So Athena comes down and sends him crazy. So instead of murdering the the uh, the generals, he he slaughters cattle. Basically, slaughters the animals in in the pen next to where the, where the generals were. But he thinks he's he's murdering all these these generals, mm -hmm. um, and he he ties one of them up. And tells people to come and have a look because he thinks it's Odysseus and he starts whipping him and he, th he thinks that he's like gained back his control. Yeah. And then once he comes back down to, to well, to sanity, once Athena kind of releases her spell on him, um, he has this huge remorse and, and guilt and regret and there are great speeches, like long monologues of why he's done what he's done and how it's, how it's affected him mm -hmm. and it leads him to commit suicide mm -hmm. so the things that happen in the play if you take them and try and find them in the modern world you can find these things if you take it at its basic bare bones so mm -hmm. someone not being happy with the, the generals in their army mm -hmm. someone having a, 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 a rage and reckless outburst you see it all the time, people coming home from war and then losing their mind in the, in the middle of normal society and getting violent. And then after that, kind of having this terrible guilt and going on to commit suicide, which many soldiers do, come back after committing these violent acts and then commit suicide. Um, yeah, so that's the one I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. But the problem is, these things are not recognised. So... We've put them together as, as three parts like that. Yeah. But the ancient Greek, what they mostly focus on is the, the tragic madness. And that's kind of seen as his madness. Mm -hmm. Not him wanting to murder the generals. Yeah. Or his, his remorse afterwards and his suicide. Not that. Mm -hmm. the, the killing the animals and, and going crazy. That's what the focus is all on. He's more humiliated that he's done that. Yeah. Rather than angry that he tried to kill the generals he still wants to kill the generals after he comes yeah. around to sanity um but he's very much sane then yeah so that's not seen as something that's traumatic so do you think the sort of inclusion of these things that you might be able to point to as signals of combat trauma are included unconsciously by the authors now this is the big problem <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happens when you're looking at say a tragedy or an epic and say a historical text if someone is displaying a character that that has symptoms let's say of combat trauma doesn't mean that he's necessarily aware of what combat trauma is yeah and he's trying to give this message off or if you take someone 
in a historical text, which is more reporting something that has happened, is that more, I don't know, does that, does that have more authority? But again, with ancient Greek historical text, we know that there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of fiction in there. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's hard to, yeah. yeah is there anything comparable in, say, like, Thucydides or Xenophon? Or... Um, I mean, the reason why you can't kind of diagnose someone mm. in a tragedy, yeah. for example, especially with Euripides, if you take Heracles, for example, Euripides is playing with these ideas. Yeah. So he's playing with these new ideas of mental disturbance, right? So when Heracles goes mad, we see a combination of religious ideas, social ideas, literary ideas, medical ideas, all put together to make this one massive, dramatic, mad outburst. So you can't diagnose that because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's just there for kind of dramatic effect. Yeah. And it's a combination of loads of different diseases and loads of different symptoms. So you can't try and say, like, people have... You can't say, oh, Heracles is clearly a manic depressive, yeah. for example. You can't, you can't do that with tragedies. Um, they're picking and choosing different things and putting them together. With, with, his, with the history, I mean, it's a different thing. If you take kind of examples like Epizelus, who goes blind on the, on the battlefield. Now... We have examples of that happening to people okay. um, in modern modern warfare, mm -hmm. but the war is so different. Mm. So what he thinks has happened and what is described is that this big kind of figure, this godly figure washes over him in war and then after that he can't see anymore. Mm -hmm. But he's kind of celebrated for that as if he's been touched by this higher power okay. and now has this like inner knowledge. Yeah. So, the way they're perceiving the things that are happening is completely different to 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 what what we would perceive. Perceive, yeah. yeah. So people have just looked at that straight away and gone, ah. So he must be suffering from combat trauma. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But um, it's difficult. <laughs> well, so, isn't doing a PhD fun? <laughs> All of the definitive answers that we come up with. It is. It is a really, really fascinating topic, though. It really, really is. Um, perhaps um, if we're kind of, if, shall we, shall we, shall we come to a close then? Are you, are you tired? Do you want to go and actually write this? <laughs> because before you go, I would like you to do what I've been asking everybody to do, and I have pre-warned you about this. Yes. <laughs> I would like you to recommend some literature to those listening. Anything from a modern retelling of a Greek myth, some ancient literature, or some non-fiction. Yeah. So what I would say, if you want to get involved in this and see where this all kind of started, go and read Jonathan Shea's Achilles in Vietnam. Okay. So the book is called Achilles in Vietnam, Combat Trauma and the Undoing of Character. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the first time anyone has done this. So use psychology to look at the Greek heroes and say, this guy has combat trauma, yeah. right? It's not written by a classicist. He's a psychologist. So, and he, he's aware of that. He says that he, he doesn't have that great classical knowledge of the culture and the society. Um, so it's not going to cost you loads of money. It's not like high-end <laughs> classical scholarship. That they've yeah. only printed 10 copies yeah, of, so each one costs £100. Like you can go into a bookshop and buy it. Okay. Um, and it gives you a great introduction to these ideas. Yeah, hard. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it, but I'd highly recommend okay, it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. A, a, a good talking point. Yeah. yeah. Um, any ancient literature? Must have got you. Ancient literature? Yeah. Um, 
Anything written by Euripides. Anything written by Euripides. In particular, Euripides. my favourite character, Heracles. Okay. Okay. <laughs> go and read Heracles. If you want to learn about 5th century Greece, go and read Heracles. It's all there. Okay. Okay. Good. And before you go, do you have any social media accounts that you're involved in that you'd like to share with the audience? Yes. <laughs> Find me plug, on Twitter. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> yes. Please, please, please take a few minutes to go to my Twitter page, Classics After the Classroom. Um, the at is Classics A-T-C for After the Classroom. Um, and there's a little survey on there that you can fill out and it's for kind of people that have studied classics at any level and what impact it had on them. So you just go on say where you studied classics, to what level, um, and write a couple of sentences about how it's impacted your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's helped you go into higher education or it's helped you in a certain job. Um, yeah, we're just trying to get a wide... We're trying to advocate classical education. Yeah. yeah so, so will there be some advocacy of classics on Classics After the Classroom over time? Will you be sharing some of your research? Yeah, so we're going to present, we're going to present this to schools. Mm -hmm. So schools that are thinking about introducing classics, as if to say, look at all these people that have done classics and all these wonderful things they've gone on to do yeah. and how it's impacted their life and helped them. Yeah. So presenting to like head teachers, heads of departments, mm -hmm. directors of schools, stuff like that, as if to say, um, yeah, classics is good and you should you should teach classics. That's the message that we're all about on That's Ancient History. <laughs> um, well, maybe I'll get you back to talk more about that in the future. Absolutely. When I've run out of guests. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Um, thank you so much for joining me. This no has problem. been very, very oh, interesting. Pleasure. And I'm good. sure everybody else feels the same. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>